don't want that right now. All you are going to submit to us, our time of liberalism is here. You drink that fluoride. You take those vaccines. Donald Trump says vaccines might be dangerous because one of his kids got hurt. Ugh, shut up! You don't have free speech. You understand? You listen to me. I rule this country now. I'm liberal. Screw him. Ban his free speech right now. Ban it! Let me tell you what else you do. You don't listen to InfoWarsLife.com with the number one new vitamin, new vitamin, vitamin. All right. Um, should we just uh, should we just get going? Let's do it. Why not? Okay. Hello, subscribers. Uh, this is your midweek premium show. I'm Will Meneker. Joining me, as always, Felix Biederman. Hello, everyone. And Matt Chrisman. Hi, folks. And uh, also sitting in the room, not so much as a guest, but just uh, moral support. We got our good friend Mike Adelic. Mike, what's up? Hey, everybody. <laughs> you all know Mike Adelic. It's been a uh, it's been a banner week for us. All the dry boys are in the same city, in the same room. We've been hanging out. It's been a uh, it's been one long uh, Twitter sex tour, starting on uh, Monday when uh, Matt and myself went to the zoo with uh, Twitter good boy, Johnny is good. Yep. That's how you start all of the really good sex tours, is a trip to the zoo. <laughs> well, like, Matt and Johnny had told me and Will that they were in a toxic uh, toxic situation, and they had to get out, and they had to get on a sex tour, and that's <laughs> what we've been doing. Yeah. When you go to the baboon exhibit it really gets you in the mood to start a pretty intense sex tour oh man those are so gross oh. it was so disturbing yeah. don't yeah, skip that if you go to the prospect park if too. you ever want to fuck again anyway don't watch the baboons do it look at the sea lions those are fun um the red panda the giant porcupine otter shit yeah yeah those are all fun oh and uh th- this also connects to an, an earlier episode of the show uh rating the uh attractions of brooklyn new york uh, Prospect Park Zoo, 10 million times better than the shitty botanical gardens oh, that yeah. uh, all three of us oh, went to. Yeah. Uh, I like the botanical gardens. I like uh, I like walking around, seeing exactly three rose bushes, uh, different arrangements of bushes. I had a really good time. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I mean, well, we, we got it for free because once a week it's free. And I guess there, if you have literally nothing else to do, it's not the worst <laughs> way, place to be in New York. You know, I mean, I guess it's better than like being in one of the subway tunnels. <laughs> but if you go on another day, it's $12. And the That's zoo is $8. Too much. Yeah. Too and much. it's like a million. For $4 dollars cheaper, yeah. you, you get, get to see animals. actual animals yeah. like doing cool shit. Right. You get to go to an animal prison. <laughs> And you get to be alienated from your humanity and realize the awful spectacle of our dominion over nature <laughs> and our perverse, sadistic desire to like wallow in the suffering that we impose on other species. You say that. For eight bucks. You say that, but that, that palace cat looks pretty happy. Palace cat. Just sort of like pacing around its little box or yeah. whatever. But they do a good job of creating kind of dioramas that uh, simulate yeah. what freedom and a natural life would be like for these yeah. animals. And like you look at them and you're like, oh, that's so cute. I bet they think they're free. And then you're like, oh, my God. So do we. They're in the yeah, Matrix. That's they're- actually <laughs> where the Joker became the Joker. It was at the, <laughs> zoo. Went to the zoo. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it's been a fun week so far. Uh, should be getting better. Reminder that on at Tuesday, uh, all of us will be at Caroline's for the third and final debate. Uh, we did our show on Saturday as a preview of the second debate, and then we went and all went and watched it. So uh, let's let's do our reactions to the uh, the second presidential debate. Ooh, cowboy! Ooh, 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 wow! Ooh, ooh. Uh, we must remind the audience there will be no hooting. Seriously, like they had to fucking hose down those jackals. <laughs> well, I thought it was it was a cool debate because. Uh, like there was the one where Chelsea and Bill were there and they weren't at the last one. And it was obviously because Trump brought like all the Clinton accusers. And I just want to know how the call between like the Booker and and uh, Clinton went. Where they're like, uh, hey, so we have all the women that accused you of rape. So we'd like you to be at this debate. And he's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll bring my daughter. <laughs> yeah, they were in the the VIP box. It was a it was a murderer's row of people from Bill Clinton's past. But uh 
God, the debate itself, uh, it seems to be that the uh, general consensus based on the media and polling was that Hillary won it. I only watched the first half an hour of 20 minutes, half an hour of it, because I literally couldn't take any more of it. But of what I saw, I thought Donald uh, won. Well, Donald yeah, won yeah, in yeah. the sense that he did. In, in the, he, there's no question now looking at how GOP people have reacted is that he riled up his chud base and like reminded them of why they like him. And that made it harder for Republicans to keep distancing themselves from him after the pussy grabber tape came out. So that worked. Like they're, they're, they're all like people who said that they were distancing self, themselves are coming back. None of them are going to keep defecting. So he stopped the bleeding of like Republican establishment now, people. He kept- but I can't imagine that he convinced anybody <laughs> on the fence with his just like pacing around and snorting and yelling and saying, uh, it's block group talk. It's lock group talk. That's all. It's just block group well, talk. I, he was. Lock he- he was Locker. he was what he wasn't at the first debate. He was Donnie Casino, and he he did everything that we expected him to do at the first debate. And I like, I mean, I didn't think no one won. No one won because Trump would be like, "I'm going to get my friend from the army to hang Hillary," <laughs> and then uh, Hillary would go, "America is great because America is good." Yeah. So no one, no one won. But like, no, Trump, it's a squalid horror. Trump show. was like quicker than the first time. Like he was, he's a front runner. He fell apart after 20 minutes of doing it. But like that line where he goes, yeah, because you'd be in prison. That I was, was like, a, yeah, hell yeah, Donnie. That was just, he landed that blow. That was like, a, that was the yeah. first time he actually bodied her in, in this debate. People said his worst moment is when he promised to appoint a special prosecutor to put her in jail because they're like, this is what happens in tin pot banana republics. But I'm like, Fucking that—that that is how we should have presidential. Yeah, the rules. Man. Yeah, like, yeah. If fucking, fucking awesome. Obama had only promised to throw Bill fucking Bush in prison, we'd be living in a much better country right now. Or imagine, at least tried to imagine like if Mitt Romney it wasn't just the presidency on the line, but his freedom. <laughs> and they're like, "All right, Romney, you have to go to jail now." Like that would have been hilarious. It would have been yeah, so it's funny. Sort of, it's like a presidential version of one of those wrestling loser leaves town. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, whoever loses, they have to like they're they're exiled to Alba or something. In that, uh, loser, in that, loser goes to Kolob. <laughs> in that Netflix documentary, where, like about Mitt, where he like uh, irons his uh, iron suits while, while he's uh, wearing it. Yeah. With a, and, no, but where he's just sitting in the hotel room and he's like, I honestly believe we would won. We're going on the path of big spending and taxation. And like, how funny would that be if just like there was a knock on the door? The FBI was like, I'm sorry. You're you'll going have, to prison to until you die, now. dude. Like, he had to say goodbye to all of his family members, <laughs> starting with his like 14th grandchild. <laughs> yeah. He just like he just all shook their hands in a giant row as the FBI like, that would let really, him out of the room. And if there was like that was like a specific cell block in prison that John Kerry, uh, <laughs> fucking Al Gore, uh, John McCain, they're all in. Yo, he got in there. John Kerry has just been getting swole since. Yeah, John Kerry. Yeah. It's like that's it's a reenactment of the scene at the end of Donnie Brasco after he. Uh, Pacino gets the call and he knows they're gonna kill him. <laughs> this guy, he like puts yeah, he puts the stuff away in his in his dresser drawer, straightens his shirt, goes out the door. Yeah. Well, I think that I I, I agree that Trump won in the sense that he had energy and the fact that when he he would say an insane idiotic thing, like he would attack Obamacare and you'd be like, yes, 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 bad. It's true, it's bad. And they'd be like, we're gonna replace it. It's gonna be phenomenal. It's gonna do all the good things in Obamacare. It's gonna have none of the bad things in Obamacare. <laughs> yeah. Not like so, not like social medicine, which would be a disaster. <laughs> would that be a disaster? <laughs> Canada, it's awful. And it's like now it's just gibberish. It's just it's literally just I will do good things instead of bad things. Well, the funny thing about that is that Hillary had the exact same answer about well, that's Obamacare. The thing. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. Is she why... said we're, we're gonna take the good parts of Obamacare and we're yeah. gonna look at what works and we're gonna look at what doesn't work. Right. And we're but gonna, that thanks and, just. Like her plan to defeat ISIS. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's it. At every yeah. level, he would just like throw shit, you know, like a fucking like coked out gibbon, and it would, but it would be high energy shit, and it would be very critical shit, and it would be shit that make you think, yeah, he's pointing at like pointing at some sort of critical fault line in like the the reigning ideology. But then Hillary would get up and she'd just be like, "Oh, America is actually good, and these things are." Some of them are bad, but they're mostly good, and we're going to keep going towards good things instead of bad things. And then you're like, you just think that's what is? How is that a response to the kind of vicious gonadal energy that he's throwing at her? That kind of just like robotic recitation of, of like this whiggish view of perpetual progress that nobody feels in their life. So you end up, yeah, feeling like on an energy level, Trump wins, but on any kind of like. Uh, 
you know, substance level. It's just it's just noise from both parties. Now there's a, there there's two moments uh, from the debate that I saw that stand out in my mind. One from Hillary, one from Trump, uh, that I want to talk about. The first and my favorite Trump moment is when he said. We're, it's like we're living in medieval times. <laughs> <laughs> that was it's awesome. Like, it's like medieval times out there. They're cutting people's heads off. Bad. It's bad. The, it's the bad. Plague. There's plague. Who would have thought there'd be plague anymore? Yeah, there's you, boobos everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Apprentices. They can't work on their own. They're connected to the mass. The guilds control everything. I mean, uh, we're, we're not prepared for the Mongols when they start throwing corpses over the city walls. I like okay, so so he referenced that basically we're living in the Dark Ages or not, not medieval times yeah. to be historically accurate. We're living we're not, in the restaurant medieval yeah, times. Yeah. <laughs> There's no silverware. It's crazy. Yeah, you got <laughs> no silverware, but I'm drinking Coca Cola. That makes no sense. Eat this with your hands. The Red Knight always loses. It's fixed. This is a rigged system. <laughs> it's a rigged system. I'll tell you right now. I've come in here fifty times. Red Knight never wins. It's rigged, folks. It's rigged system. Bad. Okay, and then Hillary's best line is when... Uh, I thought actually Anderson Cooper and Martha Raddatz actually did ask Hillary some pretty tough questions about her emails and the Podesta shit. And uh, when they asked her about that thing in the Podesta emails about how, well, you have to have a public position and a private position... Her response to that is that she was talking about the movie Lincoln directed by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Had but to throw in the director, but, by the way. But she was like, <laughs> okay, then right after that, Trump was like, She's bringing up the late, great Abe Lincoln. I just love that phrase about talking about Abe Lincoln and not like David Bowie or something. <laughs> Lincoln, he was fantastic. We all loved him. He was amazing. He the made late, our lives better. The late, great Abraham Lincoln. But Matt, you pointed out, and I didn't actually realize this, in the context of her emails, she in fact was it talking about the It sounded absurd, movie Lincoln. but when you look at the transcript, she literally was talking about Lincoln, which meant that she was equating like soft peddling Wall Street reform with the Thirteenth Amendment. <laughs> no, it's the same thing. It's the same. It's thing. totally the same thing. I mean, derivatives. Uh, I think that they should be unchained from their shackles. Uh, <laughs> the real hero of that movie is Tommy Lee Jones. Don't at me, Thaddeus uh, Stevens. He got short shrift in that movie. I totally, yeah. they made him look kind of like a. He was like, he's a good guy, but he's like not practical. He's too idealistic. He's too idealistic. Like, he just wants it all. Yeah. And that one scene where they're in the basement in yes. Lincoln, and he's like, he's like. I think we should just recreate the South and take away all the property and yeah. bench traders' blood or yep. whatever. I was like, fuck yeah. yeah. Would we be, I mean, ask yourself, if we had like, ex, if we had taken the planter class, you know, 200,000, not a lot of people really, 200,000 planters uh, and just like put them on a fucking island in the Caribbean, would we be better off and distributed their land between their former slaves? Would we be better off right now or worse as a country? I mean, I think, I think you know. Um, you know, okay? I don't have to tell you. You know, believe me. I think that there were problems uh, from with uh, Reconstruction, but it was sort of like a lack. It was both sides' fault, <laughs> and I think that if like more, they came together, and it would be like every other day, it was like okay, we're back in the Confederacy, and then every day after that, it was legal to kill planters. Yeah, it would be like an Applebee's America type solution, <laughs> and I think like we would there'd be no more racism today if we John Crittenden that. was the Ron Fournier of the. Of the immediate uh, antebellum period, by the way. Yeah, he had a he had a uh, telegraph wire service called uh, Hot Porridge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I I mean, not much else to talk about from the second debate. Well, there's one than, thing I wanted okay, to talk yeah, about. I wanted it. to talk about this fucking Ken Bone bullshit. Ken uh, Bone, because obviously, as soon as he got on screen, everyone went crazy because. Uh, as was pointed out when we were watching it, is he looks just like Carl Diggler. Yep. Uh, and be, and if even if you didn't know who Carl Diggler was, his combination of that sweatshirt and the mustache was very visually, you know, appealing. And then he, and as soon as they showed up and said his name was Ken Bone, that okay, he's going to be a meme. Uh, and then he went on TV afterward and he talked about how his pants split and that's why he had to change beforehand and was wearing the sweater. It's like okay, this guy's going to be at least for forty eight hours before he finds something else, you know, like I'm, a. Like a dog starts saying racial slurs and becomes a YouTube star, he's gonna be, <laughs> he's gonna be a celebrity. But like it, there was a really obnoxious article. Uh, I don't remember who wrote it. Uh, it was like half tongue in cheek, but it was saying that like it's a for he used a forced meme. That was my uh, girlfriend Andrea Corkboard. Yeah, and like it was a bad article. And part of the reason it's a bad article because there's like I think there's a nugget of truth in that 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 could have been interestingly explicated, but it, it was just too f focused on like trying to sound clever because everyone's got to be so fucking clever all these all the time. But 
For me, I think the reason that Ken Bone was so just desperately grasped in the aftermath of that debate is that so everybody had just spent 90 minutes watching this madman like have a nervous like a nervous breakdown in in front of uh, a national audience just you know yelling at everybody the audience the fucking moderators and and his opponent and then and and really like sketching this terrifying vision of of politics of, of you know blood and soil uh like covered in fucking tinsel and uh, neon and then being opposed by this just absolutely uh just hollow shell of liberalism with nothing under it and like that is such a just demoralizing and terrifying thing to observe that then this like smiley round gentleman shows up and he's <laughs> all like do eyed and he's an undecided voter who has questions about energy policy and there's like oh my god there's still hope for america but the very fact that there are guys millions of them like ken bone who can wander through life and be engaged enough to like show up and ask a question as a presidential debate, but so unengaged with their lo- the with politics and the the world around them that they can go through this entire debate and this entire presidential election and not really know have an opinion. That's how we got in this position in the first place. Ken Bone is the reason you need Ken Bone. <laughs> well, and the other thing that you pointed out to me earlier today, which I could not fucking believe, is that Ken Bone is like a couple months older than I am. He's thirty four years old. <laughs> that Ken is- Bone is 34 he's like Hans Molman (laughs) I think I'm 31 years old the bipartisanship has ruined my life (laughs) (laughs) I think that uh, the reason I think what we came up with is just he's from Missouri yeah yeah, yeah. the fucking Midwest will do that to you yeah Uh, too much time I'm a hard I'm a hard 26 yeah my big takeaway from the debate I mean first I do want to mention there was another undecided voter who was like yeah i'm a i'm i'm a gay muslim <laughs> and it was like what 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 is like what well we've established that that person was definitely not undecided. yeah no well, we no. talked about that before the debate like how the hell they found these freaking idiots who don't have an opinion on the election well i said it's questions. like someone who like really wants right, to get on a yeah. jury and pretends they have an objective right. feeling about murder yeah. they're like well uh, sometimes uh killing children uh, could be I, I could judge this case with an open mind but in the back of their mind they're like i want to Burn them. Yeah, they're yeah, all they're yeah. all John in the chair. They're all John Cusack and runaway jury. Yes, where he's yeah. like uh, trying to get on the jury to I avenge would, his dead high school girlfriend. Or at least I or would hope so. I well, that's the only. I, mean, I don't think. Well, Ken Bone, I believe is. I he's believe he's undecided. Gener- and by the way, I really do hope that he that they that before election day he she, she says he's going to vote for Trump. Yeah. So that all the fucking milk toast internet dorks who call turn him into a meme are like, no, Ken, yeah. you were too, you were precious. I hope he takes everyone who wrote an article about him and puts their name in triple parentheses. <laughs> oh God! Alt right Ken Bone is going to rule. Ken Bone. Oh, it's going to rule. Alt right Ken Bone Law. Uh, but my other my other thing is Matt touched on this a little bit. Uh, you saw how like unequipped democratic politics are for dealing with Trumpism. Yep, that isn't. I mean, these people think a, a vote is the most mystifying, powerful thing you can do, and so they think when Trump loses, that's the end of it. Like, no more racism in uh, in politics. We've sent a powerful message to yeah. Senior Pepe. Yeah, and it just like they're just so woefully unequipped. I mean, Randy on Twitter has famously said, uh, "Randy G Dub, Trump could possibly win if he was five percent less retarded." <laughs> well, there is going to be a guy in the future who's five percent less retarded or more than Trump, <laughs> and he's going to be able to do this. And what are we going to have? against him uh with the democratic party except for uh let's talk earned income tax credit like we're 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 pretty fucked if someone totally up this act i mean yeah you need uh, the combination of an inevitable uh uh first term hillary recession and whichever chud monster is able to you know Use Trumpist populism to a conventional politician's life where you don't have 500 hours of audio tape of him telling Howard Stern that he likes to look at 15 year old girls naked. Yeah. That person's <laughs> yeah. going to be a powerful force. I mean, by Tom the way, Cotton how the fuck, what the fuck is wrong with Ted Cruz that he didn't get that fucking. This is this shit was not secret. You know they didn't why? require Freedom of Information Act request to get this stuff. He fucking said it on a nationally broadcast radio show. One of the These, biggest the radio transcripts shows ever. are available. How the fuck did no? I mean, I understand it might not have hurt him. 
among the Dem- Republican electorate during the primary. But I mean, like, especially the shit about like, yeah, you know what I could do? I can get away with this. I go in there. I see them. They're 15 years old. They're beautiful. They're naked. I mean, I got to believe that could have helped them get a few extra points, maybe flip a few states. You know, how uh, the hell do you not do that? Oppo? it's amazing to me. I think it's because he just comes from that like debate team. Yeah, shit. exactly. Like, I'm he just I'm thinks going he's to like he's always Trump gonna, with logic. Yeah, exactly. Like he he would. Ne- I don't think it even occurred to him to do that because he's like, once we're mano y mano yeah. on this stage together, they're gonna right. see who the real conservative. Oh, I guarantee you, he did. Yeah, I guarantee yeah. you, he told his inner circle fifty times when it's a one-on-one debate. I'm going to destroy Trump. Just like fucking Ben Shapiro. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to destroy Trump by his own logic. I, he, I don't know how he hasn't killed himself yet. Ted Cruz? I mean, honestly, like, how do you have your worldview that comprehensively rebuked when you've spent your entire life with one one singular focus like that and then seen the entire country just say, yeah, the world doesn't work the way you think it does at all? How do you not fucking off yourself? Ted, Cruz, Ted Cruz's entire war room, it was just like the Rust Cole pin board from True Detective, but it was like uh, Sallor's fallacy, <laughs> Belgian milkmaid fallacy, ad hominem. <laughs> it was like, we, I'm going to trap Trump in all of these. <laughs> like, he really thought that shit was going to work. Yep. And it's so Ted Cruz, this guy who's been like rehearsing his inauguration speech since he was 12 because he's a fucking freak, uh, he like saw his plans go up in smoke. And not just like by a guy beating him in a debate, but by a guy being like, his wife's fucking ugly. Uh, his dad killed JFK. Fuck his kids. <laughs> and it worked. Like it worked perfectly. He beat him by like a two to one vote margin towards yep. the end of it. Yep. And then after this guy said all this shit about his family, he's like, I, I, I endorse him. And then two days later, like just two days later, the same guy is like on tape talking about how much he loves sexual assault. <laughs> Like it's the greatest thing that has ever happened. It's amazing. Like Ted Cruz. Oh fuck, Ted Cruz. Oh fuck my Ted god. Um, I'd like to move on from the debate and from Trump, and uh, you know, commit to this uh, this show's you know um, investment in both sides. You know, we're not just we're not just libs. We're not just going to talk about Trump uh, sexually assaulting teenagers. Yeah. Because you know, let's be honest, Hillary's probably going to be president, and you know, dirt about her is technically more consequential than dirt about Trump. And I guess it's not really dirt, but this is just a few funny things that I think would be worth talking about on the show from the Podesta emails that uh, cropped up this week. What do you guys say? I'm so so in. All right. The first one I want to talk about, this is hilarious. This is about... how uh, in the Podesta emails, they talk about Peter Dow and Tom Watson, <laughs> the HillaryMen.com. Oh, I'm just going to read from the emails here. It says, uh, the good news is... So- I, I Fuck, this is cut off. I don't know who's talking here, but it says, the good news is something amazing is organically growing out there, <laughs> run by volunteers with deep and trustworthy connections to Hillary. Wonder if you've heard of them. Hillary men? <laughs> <laughs> No fucking way. He says, I did not know them, but was compelled to reach out and learn more. This project was launched by two volunteers who have a day job and aren't looking for a job, Peter Dow and Tom Watson. Peter is a former advisor to Hillary and CGI, Clinton Global Initiative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he gave autism to in Africa. <laughs> He's extremely loyal to the Clintons and a well-respected digital strategist who advises several prominent organizations. Tom teaches social activism at Columbia and is an expert on philanthropy and fundraising. Social activism? Okay, what you got to do is you got to find you got to find somebody online saying something disparaging about your candidate and then you just uh, urinate all over yourself while tweeting at them for 5 hours in a row. Uh, uh, he says these are these are two experienced and reliable guys. Absolutely the two words I would use to describe Tom Watson and Peter Dow. I think the email cut off. Uh, by the way, Tom is Peter's son. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the reply uh, from Teddy Teddy Goff or Joff. Uh, who do, do you do you guys know who Teddy Goff Joff is? No Teddy Joffrey. I do appreciate that all these Clinton people have like one syllable names. It's not yeah. like it's not like you're taking a shit. I like that the campaign manager's name is Robbie Mook. Like, why not just like Joey Dipshit? It's like a name for an incompetent member of the mob. <laughs> this is this is the reply to, to Peter Dow and Tom the pitching man. He says, "I agree, these guys are doing great work, and we are in touch with them." 
at an arm's length. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Hillary's no, no. owned. I, I made that one up, but I, I, he said, we are in touch with them. In addition to our regular outreach, we are organizing a few digital influencer summits. <laughs> summit oh, person. man, those sound like they were <laughs> off the hook. Oh, I would love to do Molly at one of those. Oh, hell yeah. In the coming weeks and plan to invite them. John... I am all for you participating in those summits generally if Peter and Tom wind up attending in person, finding time for a quick sidebar chat with them. Don't think it merits a dedicated meeting, but happy to facilitate if you are curious to sit down with them. One thing to be aware of if you aren't already is that Peter worked on 08 and apparently burned a lot of bridges. (laughs) (laughs) I burned a lot of camps, too. I don't know the whole story, but digital folks from that campaign do not speak highly of him. I believe WJC is a fan, though. WJC, you're being William Jefferson Clinton. Big Dog loves Peter Dow. Hell yeah. And then on on Tuesday, uh, August 25th, uh, John Podesta replies, read to the bottom, thoughts? And this is finally from Jay Palmieri, who I think kicked this this thing off to, to Ted Jagoff. He says, yeah, they are a little off. (laughs) (laughs) But does make me wonder if an absurdly aggressive offensive HRC operation with people whose life she saves, etc. might be a good idea for September. Mulling this in between blueberry beers. Oh, my God. I want Werner Herzog to narrate these emails. <laughs> Holy if shit. only it had been a Michelob. How yeah. perfect is that? <laughs> How perfect fuck, is man. this? I love the idea that like Peter Dow and Tom Watson, the number one and two Hillary men, yep. alpha dog number one and two, who have dedicated their entire life, like my life for you, queen. This is the way they're talked about like behind closed doors of the people who really matter. They're like, yeah, their absurd dedication to her online can be potentially useful, but they're a little off and probably best to, you know, say hi in a handshake and that's about it. Dude, this is like when Polly, like when Johnny Sack told Polly that Carmine yeah. loved him. And he goes all the way to New York and he's like, hey, how are you doing? Carmine has no idea. Who he is. What's your name again? Paulie Gaultieri. Jersey? Your father was run over by a trolley, right? Johnny talked to you about me, right? Johnny who? Sack? Talk to me about what? <laughs> it's as Ferris Bueller said, you can't love someone who kisses your ass. Yep. But also, uh, the great line, mulling this in between blueberry beers. Oh Just, my God. Uh, oh, think oh of that. God. I'm, 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 I'm typing on my Blackberry while drinking blueberries. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag adulting like a boss. <laughs> Ugh, all of the, everyone in these emails is wearing suspenders to bed. They're afraid to take off their pants when they go to sleep. <laughs> what a bunch of fucking freaks. Okay, this is, this is, another, this is another email that is fucking amazing. Uh, this is from someone at the CAA agency uh, to Hillary Clinton, John Podesta, and someone else on the campaign. And it says, for, subject Ford Hillary ad. I like this idea. And then in parentheses, Louise is a former conservative British MP. Very smart. They're talking about Louise Mensch. And it yes. says down at the below, it says, The Gamergate. As you will know, it says, uh, Dear Michael, this is from Louise Mensch. This is her idea. It says, Dear Michael, as you will know from Arnold, I am, he's talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger, by the way. I am a committed Republican, or would be if I had the vote this year. But I worry about to no end about Donald Trump becoming our president. Much rather have your girl Hillary. Anyway, the politician in me thinks Lena Dunham and Gloria Steinem are nails on a chalkboard to the average American woman. Act, well, that's actually, definitely yeah. Lena Dunham, no question. Yeah. And I think Hillary is not capitalizing on the yearning that we have to see a woman as president properly. Her competence and intelligence are beyond doubt. Her problem is warmth. And then, okay, she just goes on, but I just, in the reply to this is Louise, quote, very smart. Do you guys, okay, if you're not familiar with Louise Mensch, she is probably the dumbest person or one of the dumbest people alive. She is one of the, so she's dumb. like a top five stupidest person to ever be in British par- Parliament. And you got to remember that that is a house that is filled with like inbred fail sons who have like three uh, chromosomes and yeah. she's dumber than all of them. She's dumber than parliamentarians like Nigel shit. Who, who Ian proposed Smell. The, the guys who proposed draining all the bogs in Ireland. Like she's dumber than them. Like there's like a guy, you know, there, there's some like uh, hereditary heir, you know, like, you know, 
Neville Thrombotics Chesterton or something, and like his jaw is so narrow that he has to have a manservant like chew his food for him while he's <laughs> while he's waiting to ask a question at at PMQs, and he's smarter than Louise. There's Mesh. just a there's two quick hits on Louise Bench. Uh, she's very prolific on Twitter and has produced some astonishing results. The best of which is when she said, "I've this is like I don't know I guess about left wing anti semitism," yeah. and she was like. I've had it with the term Zionist. Anyone who uses the term Zionist is getting blocked. It is code for anti-Semitism. And then yeah. someone replied to her, even Theodore Herzl. And she <laughs> said, don't know who this guy is, but yes, him too. <laughs> 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 and then Matt, you said that one thing about how she was like, did a screen cap of her searches. I can't remember what it was specifically. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, one one time in in a similar uh rant about the left's anti-Semitism. She screenshotted her search bar in Twitter and said, "Look, this this is the kind of popular result that that comes up when 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 you search for uh, you know, uh, Israel, Jew, evil, and it was just her own searches. Right. She was searching for these things <laughs> because that's and then, how and then blamed it on the internet. That's what the that's what the Twitter search bar does. Right. It shows you your last search. It's not like Google. She thought it was like Google. Yeah. She doesn't know that. Yeah. Oh, oh, baby. Sorry. We got a we got oh, baby. first lady of uh, Chapo Mickey is just uh, jumped on deck. But um Oh, and then I also mentioned to Matt uh, earlier in the day, my other favorite thing that I've seen from Louise Mensch uh, recently is that she participated in a debate, a forum of ideas among, you know, leading thought at at the uh, abortion of a website called Heat Street, which is like sub-federalist, conservative, make-work shithole. She had a debate with um, popular fantasy author Vox Day. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) About pro or con marital rape is it real and I, i'm very proud to say louise took the yes it is real and it's a problem but uh yeah look that up that was a that was a hell of a meeting of the minds yeah that was like lincoln douglas yeah, <laughs> yeah so louise mensch uh very smart person and then the last mention i mean it, I, I guess it just i don't have a reading it in front of me but it did show up in the podesta emails that john podesta has been in touch with the guy from blink 182 about his ufo research and apparently John Podesta is a UFO truther, which actually Ooh. makes me like him. Yeah, well, that's the only human quality he has. <laughs> no, uh, the Hillary campaign has come out and said that when they get in, they're going to open the files. So she is the candidate for like X-Files fans and shit. Okay, well, I'm a fan of the X-Files, so she's got my vote. So yeah, that, that, that's some quick hits from the, uh, the Podesta emails. I got another, uh, another news item here that I think is uh, worth mentioning. We haven't, uh, we haven't drawn from this well in a second, but I think it's time for a little... Oh... Anatolia that turkey news <laughs> this is uh from this week and it says uh the headline here is uh erdogan threatens with quote very serious steps if u.s delays extradition of gulan slay king <laughs> drag them daddy what i'm i'm surprised that given his history of uh of viral stunts and stuff that he has not hired a skywriter to to write over Washington surrender Gulan. <laughs> yeah, that would rule. Like I would come out and cheer for that. He says, uh, speaking at a ceremony for appointing judges and prosecutors in the Turkish capital, Erdogan said, "The United States has been sheltering the leader of the terrorist organization. A very tricky game is underway, and we must be extremely careful. If the extradition of Gulan drags on, we can resort to very serious steps." I cannot wait. For Erdogan versus Hillary. Holy shit. Can you imagine? Like, both are using... Like, Hillary is neurotic enough to be like, okay, we need our own dance teams against <laughs> Erdogan's. And, like, Peter Dow is going to lead them. <laughs> the Peter Dow leads them to Istanbul. And they start crumping in front of the blue mosque. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, my daughter wants to see it return to Constantinople. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, what are what do you think are those very serious steps that... I mean, because I don't think he... I don't think he's fucking around. No, he's not fucking around. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. they could. Like, the U.S. is using a lot of Turkish, uh, a, a lot of bases in Turkey, both U.S. bases and Turkish bases, to conduct the war on ISIS. They could maybe remove, remove like, access to some of those. We're storing uh, nukes there. We still too. have, like, 15 yeah. nuclear missiles yeah. in Turkey. Uh, they could, like, kind of... Uh, take the leash off of the FSA uh, guys that they control and let them go after our Kurds, our beloved Kurds yeah. in northern Syria. I mean, they have. I mean, we're not going to see janissaries, you know, crossing the Potomac, but, but our, that could it. happen. <laughs> our, but our relationship with Turkey is is very 
complicated and such yeah. that there are a lot of pressure points there yeah. to be uh, pressed. It's going to get resolved when Hillary goes there and she says, it may not be Thanksgiving, but I love turkey. <laughs> uh, no, look, it could get very fucked up. And if I had to guess, like, it doesn't matter if Hillary or Trump is in there. Like, any... The American Nat Secondary would happily let all the Kurds die oh, to yeah. maintain that relationship as oh, yeah. they have done before. Probably. Yeah, yeah. so that's well, no, yeah, not a good time to be a Kurd. No, well, never when is. has it ever been? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they're going to, uh, I don't know. It is an interesting question. I mean, at a certain point, like, maybe they just fucking give him up, you know? Like, what is what are we really gaining by keeping him in the U.S.? Well, all charter, his charter wonderful schools? charter schools. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that is true. Oh, Democrats love charter schools. Yeah, so Hillary true. might be like, you'll take, you could, you could destroy Washington D.C. before you destroy my beloved network of charter yeah. schools. Fucking, fucking D. Ray is taking a selfie with Tulane. <laughs> my friend is doing. My friend Fatula is doing some very interesting stuff with charter schools and Islam. Very cool. Check it out. By the way, if you're a listener that like maybe has a Gulan charter school in your community or sends your kids to one or knows anything about them. Or if you are Gulan. Or, or if you are if you yeah, are in the Gulan network. Patula, hit us up. Yeah, do we want to interview Gulan, but we just want to know more about what goes on in the Gulan charter please, schools. Please. Know, we could do a whole show about it, honestly. Absolutely. I want to take a sh- we, if you have a kid that can pretend to be our kids, like Felix and I will pretend to be a gay we're couple. Gay, no, we'll be a poly gay triad. Yeah, and we want yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. send our beautiful child to a charter school in Pennsylvania, and we want to visit the school, talk to some of the teachers and administrators. I think we could get an excellent show That's out of that. Easy, like that would be so easy to pull that off. All we need <laughs> is like an Airbnb, and we only have to fuck like five times. Like, prove it. <laughs> well, yeah, get in character. That, that's the minimum Nothing number. To, yeah, for a good performance. Yeah. That's yeah, a great sitcom yeah. idea, yeah. <laughs> my three dads. <laughs> my my three and a half dads. Gulan is the half dad. <laughs> yeah, those those are the quick hits uh, from this week. And now I'd like to I'd like to transition into sort of a a longer setup, the the reading series for this week. Um the reading series for this week is something that uh it's one of these things I found on Twitter a while ago, and I've been waiting for like sort of like the Ross Duthat sailboat story or the Rod Dreher canon. I've been waiting to introduce this character and like this this particular storyline into the reading series, and I, I think today is is the right time to do it. Um, and that storyline is the saga of Boston Globe columnist Jeff Jacoby and his teenage son. Now, this one is very obscure because Jeff Jacoby is like a D-list David Brooks. Uh, like I said, he's been writing for the, the Boston Globe, and he's like sort of your bog standard, like sort of square-ass, like nerd conservative. He's like, he, he's like David Brooks, except he writes for the Boston Globe. And I'm just going to give you, like, uh, I just went to his, like, the Boston Globe and just clicked on Jeff Jacoby, and I just want to give you, like, a, the taste of, like, what his most recent articles were. Uh, just the headlines here. A sad spectacle in St. Louis. If character matters, electing Clinton or Trump would be a moral disaster. Why Boston can learn from Houston's non-existent zoning code. <laughs> Campaign so it just you know this is just boring conservative dad pundit stuff. I do like that one. I see it the one you were going to start saying. Campaigns as long so long they make children cry. Oh, this is a good Think one. Think of the children. <laughs> this is wait, This is a good one. When murder is punished with death, fewer criminals will murder. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Dude, just based on math. It's just math, yeah, people. Yeah, math. Get rid of more of them. Now, uh, the, the reason... Holy shit. Jeff Jacoby... Wait, 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 wait. wait I've got, got to drop it. Felix is looking over my shoulder here. But the reason that Jeff Jacoby makes a perfect entry into the Chapo canon, because for years now... Jeff Jacoby has been doing a thing where he writes an annual column that is an open letter to his son. His son is named Caleb, which is like, it's like Cody. It's like Colby. Like, this is like... It's right in the wheelhouse. This is some real Carl Diggler, Chapo shit. Like, this is this is right in our mythology. I just want to point out, like, if we scroll back up to Jeff Jacoby's picture, he looks like white Arthur <laughs> Oh my god, he does. Holy, Holy shit. shit. Wow. Holy shit. This is like he, he has one of these like news cartoon avatars or whatever that looks like nothing, Walker. that looks nothing like the real person. Like yeah. remember when Jennifer Rubin at the Washington Post had that like almost Al Hirschfield style portrait of her? So yeah. This is a uh, this is Jeff Jacoby uh writing in the Boston Globe, writing 
open letters to his own fucking son. And just imagine that you're this kid, all right? There's, there's going to be a turn to this story, but like, here's the setup. This is primo Jeff Jacoby hours in his annual open column to his son. The title of this is from eight, from 2005. The title of which is "Where Did Our Sweet Boy Go?" <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and it's a, in parentheses underneath the headline. It says Jeff Jacoby writes an annual column in the form of a letter to his son Caleb. Bear with him, folks. I, I like yeah, I like that it's implied like we can't stop him from doing <laughs> it's like, this. It's in his contract. Yeah. You don't have to read it. <laughs> it begins, my beloved Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think that th- I had this fatherhood thing down pat. For your first five or six years, you were such a charming and lovable kid. Friendly, bright, cheerful, affectionate, that I imagine Mama and I must be doing everything right. I figured we were natural-born parents, the way our pe- other people are natural-born pianists or natural-born first basemen. But then, quite to my surprise, the sweet and lively Caleb we were so pleased to take all the credit for was abducted by aliens and replaced with a sulky, sarcastic grouch (laughs) we didn't recognize. (laughs) Over the course of the past year, Mama and I have repeatedly found ourselves wondering, who are you and what have you done with our son? This is off to a great start. This is off to a fucking great start. Okay, maybe that's putting it a little strongly. You're still a terrific child, and most of the time it's a joy to be your father. I'm delighted by your interests and enthusiasms. 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 As a man becomes preeminent. A a Caleb becomes preeminent. He's expected to have enthusiasm. (laughs) He says, from your voracious reading to your strength as a swimmer, it's great that you're still innocent enough to enjoy a Winnie the Pooh movie, yet sophisticated enough to play chess and make up crossword puzzles. <laughs> I guarantee you those crossword puzzles suck. He's making up crossword puzzles, but the answers to every one of them are like bone, kill, <laughs> meat, <laughs> death. <laughs> so he, he praises his son for another paragraph, but then he says, but as splendid as you so often are, Caleb, you can also be quite awful. <laughs> Open letter to my shitty son. This is in a newspaper. He's writing this in a newspaper. This is amazing. Holy. At times, your manner is shockingly disrespectful. You mimic mama and make faces when I scold you. You respond. To, you respond to criticism by laughing or rolling your eyes, or you mutter whatever with all the disdain at your command. You get surly or angry and snap at us rudely. You've even written poison pencil notes and left them for us to find. Quote, I hate you. You're a bad mother. God damn, Caleb goes hard. Jesus Christ. Caleb asked me a listener. He asked me a listener. Hey, Caleb. Absolutely. Great uh, yeah, shoot us a DM or something. We'd love yeah, to talk dude, to you about you, this. Yeah, if you are Caleb Jacoby, fucking get in touch with us, please. We'll, Hell yeah. We'll interview you on the show. Dude, here's the fucking turn. If I didn't know you had just turned eight, I'd think you were going on 14. Fuck, dude. (laughs) He's an eight-year-old writing, I hate you. You're a bad mother. The the fact that there's a strange uh, uh, wolf-like dog that follows you everywhere (laughs) and barks at people is very disturbing Uh, to me. Sometimes you're a great kid. Other times your eyes turn black and you say the true name of God to me. He's like, Caleb, let's not forget our disastrous trip to the baboon sanctuary. (laughs) (laughs) Time you made the nanny kill herself. (laughs) Really made me raise my eyes, Caleb. It's all for you, Caleb. (laughs) He said, okay, he goes, uh, uh, when I was your age, discipline consisted mostly of spanking and the threat of being spanked. And on the whole, I'd say that my siblings and I turned out all right. But I've discovered certainly a great parent. But I don't really like hitting as a form of punishment. So I'll just fucking own you in the fucking (laughs) national newspaper. uh, But Mama and I do want you to learn that bad behavior leads to bad consequences. Just as often as we use incentives and rewards to teach you that good behavior leads to good consequences. When you insult a teacher or babysitter, we make you write a letter of apology. When you act crudely at mealtime, we send you away from the table. For other offenses, you've had to write punishment sentences or lost the use of a toy. <laughs> he goes on. He says, you know, all my love, Papa. Okay. So that was in 2005. I'm going to say, I would gonna say absolutely 100% that if as I was an eight-year-old and I had a choice, 
after being bad, do you want your dad to spank you or do you want your dad to write an open letter to you <laughs> in the local newspaper about how you're a shitty kid? I would take the spanking. Okay, so uh, that was in, in 2005. So let's let's follow up with another one in 2009. Like I said, he's still doing this. This is a- annual. Now this one, he, he opens talking about uh, Passover, the Jewish festival of freedom, and he goes on describing a lot of the Seder rituals and quoting from Exodus, blah, blah, blah. Four cups of wine, four terms of redemption, four questions. The number four certainly plays a prominent role, blah, blah, blah. I've been thinking about another quartet, the four sons in the Bible, four types of children. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Yeah. So no, he goes on and then he answers, uh, you know, one son is wise, one wicked, one simple, and one doesn't know how to ask. Which son are you? But yeah, the, the headline of this column is, which son are you, Caleb? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> This is literally like the click article. Like, which one of my garbage sons <laughs> are you? Are the you? Dread Laramie, Caleb? No, dude. Yeah. Look, look, look at the illustration. He actually has an option of which four sons well, yeah. from like the Hebrew Bible or something. Holy shit! Engravings by Abraham Ben Jacob, sixteen ninety-five. Which one of these trash sons are you, Caleb? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you're a real Hezekiah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> now he goes. In a way, you have been all of them. You were once a bright and lively toddler, too young for questions, taking everything on faith. With speech came simple curiosity, along with an endless train of ingenious questions about everything. Now at age 12, okay, he's growing up now, he's almost like he's about to go through puberty. At age 12, you're becoming quite the adolescent with a streak of wicked obstinacy, quick to challenge your parents' views and ask why their opinion should carry greater weight than yours. Is this AJ Soprano? (laughs) This is dicked up, Dad. (laughs) Which is the real you, Caleb? Are you the budding philosopher who has taken to insisting lately that nothing really matters? This is AJ. AJ Soprano. Just reveal your own ignorance. (laughs) I reveal my own what? Tony, do not write a column about him. <laughs> uh, well he goes, uh, last December, you came with me to Washington in a reception at the White House. Love even, that boy. Even now, I smile at the recollection of how engaging you were, how pleasant your company. For 24 delightful hours, nothing provoked an argument or spoiled your amiability. <laughs> not even when you hungrily forked a mouthful of what we thought you thought was lox, only to discover, standing there in the state dining room buffet line, that you were chewing on a mouthful of excruciatingly sharp ginger. <laughs> Oh, what an oaf. <laughs> life, life is sometimes like that. It feeds you raw ginger when you think you're getting smoked locks. <laughs> Holy fuck, this guy rules. I'm pretty sure that's that's a line from uh, Ironic, right? By it's actually, that's actually from the book of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> There's a time for locks. Yeah. Time, time for, for ginger. ginger. <laughs> There's a time to be my fat, stupid, wicked oaf son. <laughs> What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? Like, if you're like a fan of fucking Kevin Jacoby or whatever, Jeff Jacoby, Jacoby, I don't care. Uh, What? If you're a fan of Jeff Jacoby, you're like, uh, I like what he says about black people pulling up their pants, but uh, (laughs) that weird letter he writes about how shitty his son is every year. (laughs) So he says, uh, (laughs) fuck. He says, uh, no one escapes occasional disappointments or unwelcome surprises. And one aspect of maturity is being able to meet them with equanimity. I can't say you always manage it, but just as your twel- <laughs> just as your twelve year old body increasingly prefigures the man you're becoming, your behavior and temperament today, even with the storms and stresses of adolescence, are gradually resolving resolving themselves into the good, upright character that I'm confident will be your hallmark tomorrow. I, holy shit! I can't wait for next year. What happens next year? I, I, I have a prediction. Uh, dear Caleb, <laughs> stop jerking off in the guest bathroom. <laughs> I didn't mention it earlier, but I did love in the, all these columns where he refers to his wife as Mama. Mama. He's like Mama That's and I. That's very psychosexual. It's very Texas Chainsaw yes. Massacre. Okay, so th- those are two. Yeah. Actually, we should link to like there's a whole fucking archive of these letters <laughs> to Caleb, and you can like sort of participate with Jeff watching Caleb, the, the fail son, grow up. Like, okay. Oh my, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a fail son boyhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I can't. I, wait I, me- I mentioned think- that there was a uh, a, a turn to this story. No, no, okay, no, no, okay, okay. This is from 2014, so this is after he's been a teen for a while. He really looks like a Caleb. I, I'm reading yeah. here. This is from Mass Live. This is from Massachusetts website. I'm reading from the headline now. 
Missing teen Caleb Jacoby, son of Boston Globe columnist Jeff Jacoby, found safe in New York. Holy fuck. Says, wait a minute. Why would he want to run away? I don't understand. Says, Missing teenager Caleb Jacoby is safe. He was found in Times Square in New York, the Brookline police said Thursday That's such evening. a fail son place to oh go. It's God. like Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> I want to go to the M&M store. Hey, I'm gaming here. (laughs) The Brookline police announced via Twitter just before 9 p.m. Caleb Jacoby has been found safe and well. The Brookline Police Department posted on its website around 9.45 that the Brookline Police, working with other agencies, were able to provide information to the New York City Police Department that Jacoby may be in the area of Times Square. Uh, Jacoby, 16, of Brookline, had been missing since 12.30 p.m. on Monday. He is an 11th grader at the Maimonides School, a Jewish day school in Brookline. Jacoby is the son of Boston Globe columnist Jeff Jacoby. Of course, in this article, they don't mention the fact that he, uh, he'd been written about yeah. annually. Yeah. He's been owned viciously yeah. every year in the National Met News. <laughs> at least By once a year. By his father. At least once a year. At least. Yeah, no, he says, uh, Jeff Jacoby said via Twitter, our prayers have been answered. We are thrilled to hear from the Brookline police that our beloved son Caleb has been found and is safe words can express our gratitude for the extraordinary outpouring of kindness and support we have received from so many people all we can think of at this moment is how wonderful it will be to see Caleb again and shower him with love can you imagine Caleb in the back of that car being driven home from New York City oh that would suck I would fucking hate to be Caleb he was he was sleeping in the Bubba Gump shrimp bathroom (laughs) again perfect ending to a, a perfect story i mean who could have predicted that he would have run away from home yeah, yeah. it does make me want to know the i want an update i want to know what what he's up to these days do you think he ran away like he couldn't have accomplished much when he ran away like he ran away just so he could like play iphone games in a uniqlo around 42nd street <laughs> no no he didn't he stopped he stopped writing like up. oh i oh, i see my son literally flees <laughs> because i humiliate him ritually in a national oh, but I, I want to find the one thing where, where he addresses uh, just give me a second I want to find where he addresses his son's uh, disappearance you were sitting on the, I can't believe you kept this from us for so long this is yeah. so good Okay, now this is from uh, the Forward. Hell yeah, Forward says, best, best, best Jewish magazine. Hell Jeff yeah. Jacoby breaks silence on teenage son Caleb's disappearance. Uh, he says, in his latest column, Jeff Jacoby <laughs> described his panic and anxiety upon discovering that his son was missing. <coughs> what are you supposed to do when your teenager has been gone for hours, six hours, 12 hours, 24 hours? When you've called the police and given them the information, all the information you can think of. What I like about in all of these things are like the outpouring of support. He's so happy to be like, they're really skirting the fact that this kid just ran away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> During the worst ordeal of our lives, my family experienced the best that human beings are capable of, he wrote. That was a blessing I'll never forget or ever cease to be grateful for. You know he was so pissed at Caleb for this. He was so Caleb, you made me look like a fucking asshole. <laughs> he, wrote, he wrote like a five thousand word article about how shitty Caleb was, but he couldn't publish yeah. it. He couldn't like edit it down, so he's just like he he puts it in a, he put it in his desk, and like when he gets really mad, he reads it and adds to it. That's like like Seymour like it was too explosive for Boston Globe, and Seymour Hirsch was like, I I I can I can I can get the manuscript about how shitty Caleb is in the in the London Room Review of Books. Uh, I you know you know I talk, I talked to the gen, you know my General Flynn said that uh, Caleb is even shittier now at age. 16 that he was at age 12. He was a horrible, horrible, oafish child at 12. And he is a massive piece of shit at 16. And the people have to know. <laughs> he's, he's, a compl- he's a complete moron. Oh, he's a chiver. <laughs> he does no fat November. Oh my god Okay listeners If you know Caleb Jacoby Or are Caleb Jacoby More likely <laughs> Please reach out to us I want to know about your your, law, your your few days of freedom In New York City <laughs> What you did Walking around Times Square Like those few precious moments And you were away from your Yeah how did that fuck- slice of Sabaro taste Did it taste like freedom uh, you, okay. know, you know that the dad just like makes them eat shitty kosher pizza. <laughs> he's just like so excited to get like Hawaiian pizza or some shit. <laughs> oh, oh my, my god. god. Oh man. So 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe we can. We, I mean, like I said, there's a shit ton of these letters to kill. Maybe we can dip back to them yeah. in, in a future episode. Like I said, yeah. I'm so glad Jeff Jacoby is now in. Jeff Jacoby and his fail son Caleb is now officially in the Chapo canon. They are characters. I hope they will live forever. I'm getting the, I'm getting all those columns tattooed on my back. I'm getting like a full sleeve of them. Memento. Yeah. Do not trust Caleb. <laughs> 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 don't believe his lies <laughs> he didn't just go to soccer practice he's in New York he fucking ran away <laughs> oh fuck oh, um, alright well we should we should probably wrap up yes, uh, today's yeah. show. I just, uh, a couple, top, baby. Couple, couple of things of a house cleaning. I, I want to get to. Yesterday I did this thing, uh, curious cat, where it's like this thing where like people just <laughs> anonymously ask you questions, and I got so so many all from fans of the show, which is awesome. Outside of people just saying they want to suck and fuck us and like wants to know like what our dicks look like and how we how our, how we taste and weird shit like that. <laughs> The overwhelming, <laughs> overwhelmingly, the most common question I got was, when are you coming to blank? Chicago, the South, the West Coast, Europe. I got so many questions. People were like, come to Germany, come to fucking Scotland. It's Finland. basically like a Pitbull song, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Los Angeles, Chicago, <laughs> Miami, Myanmar. <laughs> the Islamic State. <laughs> um, so, th- so my answer to that is, we absolutely want to do a tour. We have a very, we have a very, we're very East Coast biased at the moment. We are currently, okay, upcoming Chapo live shows. This upcoming Tuesday, the 19th, we're going to be at Caroline's again for the third and final presidential debate. And it's um, in the works right now, but it's definitely going to happen. We are going to have an election night live show. Stay tuned for details about that. But my goal after the election and to 2017 is Chapo US tour, Chapo world tour. Like to honestly, if we could go to Europe and do this, it would be pretty much a dream. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Like amazing. that would be uh, unbelievable. But before we get to Europe, we got to get to uh, DC, Boston, Columbus, Ohio. We want to do Chicago. a show in Chicago. Maybe, and then maybe, maybe the and West perhaps Coast. LA. Perhaps yeah. LA. Uh, we we definitely like in 2017. That is my goal: is to take Chapo on the road. Hell yeah! And and take care of that. So just uh, sit tight for all of that. Sit tight for the merchandise. People were asking about that too. You're gonna have to bear with us. We are a bunch of Caleb's, but we're yeah, doing yeah. our best. And and definitely, uh, we want we want to bring Chapo to you in as many ways possible in uh, just now and in the, in 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 2017. So that that's what I've I'm putting all of my efforts into. Uh, again, I love all the the feedback uh, we get from fans and, and all the people who are excited to have us come to their uh, their shithole town and uh, bring some light into their otherwise miserable existences. Yeah, we'll come and insult your local pizza style. Yeah, because it's inferior to New York. Hey, hey. I say I hear good things about this uh, Columbus. Ah, <laughs> to Columbus. And then uh, uh, finally, before we go, at the very beginning of the show, you did get a, a slight shout out from our boy Mike Adelic, who's sitting here. But let's. let's I, I want to ask Mike. Uh, I, I want to give him an opportunity to plug some of his uh, his writing. We were talking to him earlier. Uh, he was telling us about you're doing a serialized fantasy novel that's like the anti Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's uh, making fun of Lord of the Rings and D and D. So like, the wizards are fascists, and the <laughs> elves. People think the elves are the master race because that's <laughs> actually like in Tolkien. You know. <laughs> The orcs are actually Iraqis. It's like etymologically, that's where he was getting it from. He was a philologist. You try and kind of flip it all around so that you sympathize with the orcs and hate the wizards and the elves. And then just like a lot of uh, raunchy sex and drug humor and stupid Simpsons style jokes. <laughs> if um, people want to want to uh, get your writing, where should they go? Um, well, there's you got stuff, a, on stuff on Amazon. You got the novels on Amazon. Yeah, like, you have the uh, Gunny the Kid series. Yeah, Gunny the Kid is one, and then there's one called Murder Mysteries. One I just released called Shattered. So I have two novels out this year. Well, uh, send it, we will link to uh, your to the to your Amazon page and to, to this new stuff um, in the info to the show. Cool. Uh, yeah, we we love Mike. We love Mike Adelic. If you follow us on Twitter, you should definitely follow Mike Adelic as well and check I agree. out this stuff. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah I, I identify with Caleb. 
I just want to say. <laughs> we all do. Right, we're, all, right. we're all Caleb's. Okay. <laughs> just sweet <laughs> Caleb. <laughs> just sweet Caleb. Yeah. I think I hate you, mom, at like eight. <laughs> it's just really funny. Okay. That's it. That's it. Uh, thanks, Mike, for Thank sitting Mike. in. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks to, uh, once again, to all to all of you, the listeners. Um, until next time. Yep. Chapo out. Chapo. Bye. said this might be a cry for help. Oh, come on, will ya? She recommended a school in New Brunswick, Burnwood Day, for troubled kids. There's a psychologist right on staff. No, no more fucking schools that coddle him. He's going to military school. What? That's right, I got some brochures. You got school brochures? Yeah, from Janice. She was going to send Harper there, but she didn't have the money, and it was too fucking late. I'm not sending him away. We're looking at those brochures. What is with you, Tony?